0: Yeah, I was wondering more whoops than that, come on, (laughs) messing around. But I just want to say, um, you know, every church is a missional church. Uh, mission is what we are called to as believers in Christ. Our whole point of becoming followers of Christ and His reason for keeping us on this earth is that we carry the mission of Christ Himself. That's why we are into mission. Uh, we don't make it some special feature. It is exactly who we are, and we live, eat, and breathe it. And we have more than forty nationalities here, and for that reason, we want to understand what God's going to take us into as we go forward. Nothing stays the same in this place. It's constantly, constantly changing. I just want to acknowledge a friend of mine who's joined us this, today, who's who's church partners with us as we go to Macedonia. So Pete Mary's here on Pastor Pete Marys are here on the front row so just welcome him. I know there are a few pastors in the service today and uh, it's great to have people visiting with us and, and, and it's great to have the dedication as well just a few minutes ago. Um, I love the fact that uh, Olivia is called Olivia. It, the word peace is material to the message today. Um, we're just going to pray and then we're going to start uh, the message. We are running slightly later because of other things in the service, but we'll, we'll keep pretty much uh, in time uh, as we get towards the back end. So Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your love for us. We thank you, Father. You called us. When, well While we were yet sinners while we were lost God you found us you reached into our world there's nobody in this room who deserved what you gave to us and and have given to us and what you've prepared for us we are here simply by your grace and so father as we just look at your word as we unpack the scriptures this morning I pray father you'd inspire us uh, today by your spirit in Jesus name amen amen I'm just going to get my little clicker here and we'll be well away so Our message this morning is a continuation of the theme that we've been picking up on for the last few weeks. In fact, it's 12 weeks. Today is week 12 of the King's Speech, which is um, an unpacking of the the message, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, probably arguably Jesus' greatest single message in Scripture. And we've been looking through Matthew chapters 5 to 7, and we're now in chapter 6, uh, towards the back end of chapter 6, and uh, loving the journey so far, and excited today to be moving into a topic and the topic for today is do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. Anxiety, worry is a big deal. I've got to say the the youth, they've taken their largest ever youth group to camp in this last week. I just thank God for that. It's the biggest in our history to my knowledge And, and they had a fantastic time. My own daughter said, dad couldn't we run it for longer? And I thought, well, yeah, yeah, I, I like that idea. I really but they wanted to run for two weeks. What do you reckon, team? I think two weeks of youth camp would be amazing. She said, at least a week. Now, that's great news. When your son or daughter comes home and they say, oh, we didn't really want to come back, that's a huge credit to what they've done as a team. So all my concerns were, were unnecessary in terms of what was going to happen this week. Um, I just want to uh, quiz you. I know exam season is over, but uh, occasionally it's nice to have a test. And I've got a little test for you this morning on the screen. Uh, can you identify the common link between the following three photos? Can you, there we go. Oops, let's go back. Um, what do these three photos have in common? I prefer if you don't call out, and one or two of you were in the first service, so you may know the answer. Okay, the pictures are of uh, Tom Cruise and the film Cocktail, uh, three Grammy Awards, and George, oh, I've just shown it, haven't I? Uh-uh. George W. Bush, a slip of the hand just gave the game away. It's like when you see the answer before the teachers ask the question. So you may have not noticed the answer, but um, these three photographs have have one thing in common, and they have a song in common. And uh, In the centre of the the film Cocktail with Tom Cruise was this song, Don't Worry, Be Happy. Who remembers that song by Bobby McFerrin? Who still sings that on occasions? Yeah, I see a lot of it. In fact, it's been on various things in the media in the last few years as well. So this this is almost timeless. But... But this song, Don't Worry, Be Happy, was a pretty big song in its day, and in the late 80s, 88, 89. So much so, uh, maybe fueled by the film as well, but George W. Bush, in his presidential election uh, campaign uh, run, used the song as his kind of theme tune, but he didn't get permission off Bobby McFerrin to do it, so he wasn't very happy. <laughs> so, uh, and he worried quite a lot about it. So, interesting how it... Uh, in the end, he because you know from different parties as well. They were that's probably why he was very unhappy. But interesting, isn't it? Now I went and looked at the lyrics of this song because it, it was popular, and some of you are already humming it in your head, aren't you? i, I watch your heads nodding away. Don't worry, be happy. Yeah, danger is now. I'm going to show you a couple of the the lines from the song. So in life, in every life, we have some trouble, but when you worry, you make it double. Don't worry. <laughs> be happy it's true though isn't it in life you have some trouble when you worry you just make it worse and another line from the song because when you worry your face will frown and that will bring everybody down don't worry be happy some simple words a simple song but it did impact the world and even today we're talking about it why because worry is huge in society it's a very 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 big deal um Last week, Vlad, who's in Romania with a small team doing mission, um, took us through um, the talk around where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And you remember the conversation about treasure. We talked uh, in the services about focusing, where is our focus, where your heart is, that's where you put your treasure. And it was a challenge to us about where we focus and how we focus. And one of the verses for me that was very important for today was the very final verse, which Vlad didn't really major on, but he did, he did read, and it's this. Uh, if we're going to keep focus, we have to know who the master is. Now, Matthew 6.24 says, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. Now, those studious students of the Word of God will know that that's a direct uh, link to to putting God and money in the right place in your life. And that's what that verse is about. But what we're going to read in just a moment directly relates back to this verse. And there's a reason for it. Because in a spiritual sense, um, money can master you. And there are even some who would argue that money is not only a power, it's actually a spiritual force. There's a, uh, In the scriptures it talks about mammon being finances and possessions. And people can be consumed by the need for finance and possessions. It drives their whole purpose in life. And actually, when that starts to happen, you're effectively making money your master. Now, if money is your master, then you, by default, are the slave. And that's the relationship between master and slave, it's one is in charge and one does what the other one wants. Um, and this, this verse is showing us the imperative of having the right master in our lives. And if I were to continue, it would say, "Put God first, not money." Important now, because as we, we switch into today's topic and we read from verse twenty-five in Matthew six, we'll see this important word. word words it says that is why, that is why. That is why relinks back relates back to who is the master in your life. Now you may think that worry is a good thing because it, it's protecting you from mistakes. I will argue today and I hope to show you that it's not a good thing. Worry is not a good thing. It's right to be cautious. It's right to have a check and balance. It's right to have a sense of unease at times about certain things. But worry... Is not a good thing. Worry is not a good thing. Um, that is why. I'll tell you why the words that is why are in there. Because that is why links back to this power that's in your life. And worry, just like money, can actually be a controlling power in your life. And you may think, well, that's, that may be somebody else, it's not me. I would put this to you, I think a lot of people are affected by this, a great deal of people. That is why I tell you not to worry about it everyday life. You may think, well, it's okay to worry about little things, it's not really that important. It's not okay to worry about little things. It's very important that you don't worry. It's important that you address what worry is. Worry is a choice, and we'll get into that. Whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear. Let me tell you this, Jesus only points out food and drink and clothes. There's loads of other things in everyday life that people worry about. They worry about everything, everything. Food and drink talks about what goes into us. We worry about what goes into us and then what we look like on the outside. Actually, the real deal is what is navigating, what is the power that's in our life. Worry about what goes in and what it looks like kind of is nothing to do with the real you. The real you is, who is it that you follow? Who is it that you set your life after? Where are your values? I'm really thrilled that our youth have called themselves Daring Youth. I thought at first that's a bit interesting, because our church values are based around the acronym of Daring. Um, Each of of those six letters represents one of our values. But I love the fact that our youth want to own our values as teenagers. The fact that they came and asked me to do that, I thought, wow, are you sure? But um, I thought, my first thought was, what if they don't live out those values? And the whole church will see the values mean. But you know what? I think it's fantastic. I think it's fantastic that our youth, as teenagers, want to own the values that we carry as a church. And they made the choice. So, um, enough food or drink or clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your Heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? We'll carry on. Um, And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or, or make their clothing. Yet Solomon, in all his glory, was not dressed as beautiful as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Now, Jesus is threading faith into the conversation about worry. He's saying faith and worry, he's positioning them as opposites. He's suggesting that that worry is actually a diminishing of your faith. Now, as Christians or followers of Christ, or as a person at large in society, what you worry about tells people about who you are. It tells them about who you are. Let's go on. Verse 31. So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the minds of unbelievers. But your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Verse 34. So don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Uh, today's trouble is enough for today. Thank heavens. <laughs> um, who, who can relate to this idea of worry? Who's ever worried? Yeah, I think, yeah, that's right. We all have, and I have. I'm a champion in this space. Now, I will say, though, I am a, half, a glass half full type of person. I, I definitely try and get more in the glass than even the glass can hold most of the time. I'm always looking for exciting opportunities possibilities. That's just who I am. Um, but there are times that no matter how strong your positive attitude is, stuff in the area of worry can get in. And maybe you are a glass half-empty half person. And maybe, maybe you, you, you feel this far more than others. And, and actually your glass is not only half-empty, it feels empty at the moment. And I, Let me just tell you this. God's plan is that you'll be full. His plan is that you be filled with himself and that your confidence is restored. That's God's plan. His plan is that you will not worry. And He, I'm going to show you through his scriptures this morning about that. Um, you know, it says uh, some recent research, um, a study was done in 2015 in the UK, and a survey of adults revealed that 86% of adults considered consider themselves to be worriers here in the UK. 86% of UK adults call themselves worriers. That's a huge statistic. That's a massive statistic. Um, If you worry a lot, that's the sort of thin end of the wedge moving towards depressive behavior, um, well-being issues around how you think. Worry. if, If that many people in our society are worried about stuff on a regular basis, it's something we as a, a group should understand. The average adult in the survey was worrying for one hour and 15 minutes a day. A day. That was the average worrying. That is incredible. Now, I don't think I worry that much, but, but it, it, this is the research. This is the research. Um, and this amounts to 28 days of a year given over to worry. That's a whole month of your future year is going to be potentially tied up with worry and you know what's even more alarming is that one in four people keep worries bottled in and they become to more become more serious and and can lead to stress and stress is the thin end of the wedge and then you are going to dangerous places so we have to make a choice about worry worry is a choice you weren't born a worrier you were born as a baby you weren't born as a worrier you've learned to worry You've learnt to be afraid. You've learnt to carry that burden. You've learnt it through your family, through society, through your experiences, through betrayal, through relationships. You've learnt it. We've got to unlearn it. So we're going to tackle this this morning. So refuse to worry about life. How can we refuse to worry about it? Well, we'll look at that as we go forward. It says in Matthew six twenty-five, "This is why I tell you: Do not worry about everyday life." This is everyday life. Philippians four verse six, very important verse for me: Do not be anxious about anything. Anxiety is on the road to some more serious illnesses as well. We know that. You know, one thing that occasionally worries me a little bit at home. I, I don't know if you are like me, but we quite often get parcels arrive at our house from online shopping sites. And I'll tell you what, they're not from me, they're from my daughters. And sometimes I walk in and there's three or four boxes of stuff. Anybody have that going on in their house? Where you have Amazon deliveries almost on a daily basis. Um, some are looking down in nervousness at the moment. Uh, and when the boxes are opened, the, the contents spend some time on my living room floor with all the packaging. I see people nodding around the room. Because... They want choice. People want choice. But also, I think behind big choices and ordering extra stuff is sometimes the uncertainty of what will be the right thing for me. So I know that in our household, often there's multiple colours of the same thing all over, and multiple sizes and multiple colours of the same thing. And I ask the question, why have we got so much stuff in our house? Oh, don't worry, it's all going to go back on the credit card in a couple of weeks' time. That's not my question. Why have we got all this debris around the house? Well, just in case this one doesn't fit or that one doesn't work. To me, that's an element that, that touches on this notion of not being certain, being uncertain. And, and is it some form of worry kicking in that you get the wrong thing order the wrong thing? Who knows? But it's a challenge. Uh, one thing this last couple of weeks, um, I was a little, bit, a little bit worried myself about what's going to happen over the next two weeks. Because in this church, as of tomorrow morning, the local Churchill Theatre are about to move one of their production teams in. And they're going to, over the next two weeks, start a new production being developed in our building. So the stage is coming out. All the equipment is going to be removed. That's where I'm starting to worry a little bit. In our first service, the youth confiscated some of our equipment. And when it went back in, there were some challenges around sound and a few other things. They're ripping the entire staging out and all the equipment's being moved. What will it be like next Sunday? All I will say is, guys, I'm on holiday. <laughs> right? But support the team because they're going to need it. And um, let me say that there won't be a stage tomorrow, next Sunday because, because the theatre... But isn't it exciting that, that we're partnering with our local theatre? And so someone who's a TV celebrity is going to be involved with doing a production development and they'll be doing it and running it UK-wide. So isn't that exciting that we as a church are kind of in the cultural development side of the community. So our relationship with Starbucks, our relationship with uh, the local theatre, it's good stuff, isn't it? So nothing to be worried about there, I'm certain, as I sit back, kick back, watch Sunday Live on, uh, on Facebook Live next, next week. I'm going to look forward to that. Or, or not. <laughs> um, You know, the World World Health Organization also has done some research. They estimate that 40% of disability worldwide is due to depression and anxiety. Be anxious about nothing. Do not be anxious about anything. 40% of disability worldwide is due to depression and anxiety. And the two are very, very closely linked together. Anxiety almost always involves a sense of fear or dread, which is why worrying does not come from Jesus Christ. It does not come from our Lord. It doesn't. There's another master that produces worry in people's lives. There's another master at work. That's the problem. So we have to make the choice, which voice are we going to listen to? And it's absolutely imperative that we as people choose to listen to the right voices and, and choose not to listen to the wrong ones. So if you're getting a prompt in your mind to worry about something, say no to it. Just say no to it. So I'm not doing that. I'm not going, I'm not worrying. I'm going to adopt a kingdom principle. We're looking at foundations in our lives in this church, the foundations of the church. And so much has changed in three months. Why? Because we're addressing the foundational issues of our lives. And worry is huge because it affects over 80% of the population. And we mustn't let it affect us negatively. And you might be in a situation where you're battling through that right now. Did you know that in the UK, the number one... um, Cause of death in 20-year-olds is suicide. Where does it come from? It comes from worry, anxiety, depression. It comes from that root. It's killing people. This isn't just something that are you're a bit nervous about. So let me say you have got authority in your life to deal with it. And as you deal with it, you'll hear another voice come into your life. a, A voice that wants to direct you and keep you in peace. Um, so work some of you will say well I've got long hours of work I used to I used to work in the city I had long long hours I used to fly all over the world but you know what it's not the hours you work that causes the problem it's what you worry about at night linked to your work is where the problem comes it's the worry not the amount of work it's how you are thinking about your work and if you're worrying you have to make a choice and we're going to look at some of the truths about this and there's four I want to open up just for a few minutes um refuse to worry worry is not helpful it's not helpful it says in proverbs 12 25 worry weighs a person down if it weighs you down it's going to slow you down it's going to become an additional burden it's not going to help you it's not something from god worry is not from god jesus is making the point i am not giving you worry i'm not making you worried about stuff i'm not trying to make you worry about your future God is saying here through the text that we mustn't let worry weigh us down. It weighs you down. Worry never makes the problem smaller. It never it makes it double, just like the song at the beginning. Worry makes the problem bigger. It always gets bigger. It exaggerates your problem. It always says it's a bigger deal than it is. And we all know that the worry often is there's nothing to attach to it. It just isn't real. It's not real. It's just, it's a fear, it's an uncertainty. It's a doubt. So we have to choose to do something about it. We can either choose to worry, or we can choose to do something about the worry. If something is fixable, fix it. If it's not fixable, don't worry about it. You, you don't need to worry about it. I remember a friend of mine years ago, um, I was on a flight to the States, I think, long haul flight, a German lady, uh, very Austrian-German, you know, matter of fact and the flight was really bumpy it was left and right up and down bumping and I'm not a great fan of flights Um, I don't like roller coasters I don't even like those waltzer things that spin around they just make me feel uneasy and right, I just don't like them anyway I'm sitting there and she said are you all right?" in her Germanic accent I said well I've been on better journeys she said oh don't worry about it let's put it this way you're either going to die or nothing's going to happen so don't worry about it (laughs) so I said, well, you're right. Okay, cool. <laughs> How did I feel? <laughs> She's absolutely right, though. You can't do anything about it. It's not like worrying makes any difference. So, and worry can't lengthen your life. If anything, it's going to shorten it. Rick Warren says that worrying is a bit like being in a rocking chair, and you're putting all the effort going backwards and forwards, but you actually never move anything. You just expend energy. Uh, you know, what are the top 10 areas of worry in the UK? Number one is work. Number one is work. Number two is financial. Financial worries are very real. Number three, being late. I was surprised that that was number three in the list, but people worry a lot about being late. Why do you worry about being late? You just get there on time. That, that would be my answer. Leave earlier. Why are you wasting your life worrying about being late? It's ridiculous, isn't it? What? But if, 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 if behind being late is a master that's not God because it makes you worry, all you've got to do is be on time. And you would control the master that's the bad one. And you, you open yourself up to the right master. So why is being late? Because people are, are choosing to be late, you'll say, oh, no, there's other factors. No, no, you're choosing to be late. You are. You're choosing at a point of decision-making... I don't need to be here on time because other things are more important. That's it. And you're late and now you're worrying about it. The other master is taking control of your life. And that other master hasn't got a desire to make you strong. That other master wants you downhill. Wants to pull you in. Wants to take you somewhere where you don't want to be. That other master wants to kill you. That's what that other master wants to do. And Jesus is saying, you've got to intercept this stuff. Everyday life stuff. Number three is being late. Number four is health of yourself and relatives and friends. Number five, relationships. They're pretty big. Number six, missing a plane, a train or a bus. Number seven, not waking up for the alarm. Wow, I didn't realize that was such a big deal. Well, that's number seven on my list anyway. Um, if I tell you that number 20 on the list is being the victim of crime, and if I tell you that terrorism is number 21, how come being late is number 3 and being the victim of crime is down at the bottom of the list how come it's weird isn't it it's because it's everyday stuff i was glad to see that hair loss is number 30 on the list. <laughs> but you know number 8 on the list is appearance number 9 family safety number 10 is worrying about eating too much <laughs> there is a simple answer to not eating too much right And let me tell you, it's in the power is in your hands. It's true though, isn't it? Appearance, eating too much, they're in the top 10 on this list. But isn't that what Jesus just mentioned in the Sermon on the Mount? What you eat, what you look like. He was just touching the tip of the iceberg on this. Important, top things. Worry is not God's design. Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your Heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't they more valuable to him? Aren't you more they more valuable to you more valuable to him than they are? You know, humans are the only created beings that worry. (laughs) I don't know of any birds that worry, I don't know dogs that worry. Maybe they speak a different language, but you don't get the feeling that they worry too much about anything. They just do their thing. Human beings do. In other words, they don't trust God. Human beings know about God, but they don't trust him. Um, Human beings were not born to worry. They've learned it, so we can unlearn it. Worry is not healthy. Ecclesiastes 11.10 So refuse to worry and keep your body healthy, it says in the Scriptures. Interesting. Interesting. It's not helpful. And it's dangerous for you. It says in Proverbs 14.30 A tranquil heart gives life to the flesh. Peace in your heart will cause you to have life in who you are and you know I'm thrilled that we're running the Haven Cafe, Michael and Janet, Um, it's a a mental well-being initiative that started a few months ago, it was triggered a couple of years back because of what was in Michael and Janet's heart but also I heard on the radio one day as I was driving to the office a a man who'd been waiting for months and months and months to join a small group to just have friendship and to talk about fun things and he was on the radio on a London radio station just saying how frustrating he had to wait for over a year to find a small group and I'm in the car thinking, I'm a pastor. We have life groups, small groups, all over the place. Why do we just have one and open it up to people who want to have that kind of connection. And so that's where this kind of came from. But now it's getting bigger and bigger. I'm really excited that as, a, as a church and community that, that we're able to do that. Because people want someone to talk to. They just want to be able to see things differently and, and understand there's other options in life. And enter the church. Enter God's kingdom. It's there to bring life to people and to bring them health through doing the right things. You know, it's not what you consume that makes you ill But what consumes you that makes you ill. And what consumes humanity is worry. Worry, worry, worry is what people are nervous about. And even now, you know, smartphones and social media are causing a lot of problems. Um, People are feeling compelled to do emails at the weekends and in the evenings. And I am as well. And I'm getting to the point where I just say, right, I'm not doing any more emails. So if I don't give you an email you'll know why. I'm just not going to let that thing encroach on my life. Um, but you know, the word worry comes from an old English uh, origin, and it means to strangle, to, to, to throttle, to grip, to choke you. That's what worry does. It doesn't give you life. It never produces a good result. It, it's, you don't need it. So worry is not needed. If God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he'll certainly care for you. He'll certainly care for you. You know, here's a funny thing. Einstein, he was a man of great insight. Women always worry about things that men forget. Men always worry about the things women remember. (laughs) I'm I'm living proof of that one, (laughs) I will tell you. But uh, thank heavens, intelligence and insight. What an amazing gift. Okay, so... uh, Worry is not helpful, and we need to rethink this stuff. So refuel closeness to God is the second key area. If we refuel closeness to God, it will be the remedy for worry. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything in prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Philippians 4, 6. We read the first part of it. Amazing. By everything with prayer and thanksgiving, make your requests be known to God. Worry is a choice no one is making us make. It's a choice we are choosing to make. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Brilliant, brilliant verse. He cares about us. So what does God encourage us to do? Jesus says, pray. If it's not worth praying about, it's not worth worrying about. Prayer. If you start to feel that temptation to worry, prayer. Prayer, prayer, prayer. Trust God fully. Romans 8:32. Says, since uh, uh, we, he did not spare his own son, since he did not spare his own son, won't he also give us everything else? Since God didn't spare Jesus Christ but gave him up for us to give his life for us on the cross, won't God give us everything else? We don't need to worry about what we don't have. God will look after that. He'll look after it. He tells us to pray. He tells us to pray without ceasing. He says we don't ask enough. God wants us to ask. You know, sometimes we say, oh, you've got to ask for the right things. I just think you've got to ask for everything. You know, and if it's not the right thing, you won't get it. And if God has got another plan, just don't worry about it. Some people worry that God doesn't know what he's doing. That's what I find amazing. You know, and thankfulness. Thankfulness. Refuel yourself through thankfulness. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Be thankful. You know, happiness. It happens when you take your eyes off yourself and you look at something else. When you look at yourself and you get over-analyzing in yourself, you can start to become critical. Happiness, you take your eyes off yourself and look to someone else or somebody else or somewhere else. Grateful people are happy people. Ungrateful people are unhappy people. If you're feeling ungrateful and resenting things, you're not going to be happy. You know... Be thankful in all circumstances. All circ- not occasionally—in all circumstances. You know, I, I on my phone this week, I had Apple news came up, and there was a reference to Time magazine. I normally just delete. Do you do that? I just go through delete, delete, delete. delete. On this one, I just thought, I just go look, and I looked in, and there was an article in Time magazine. Uh, it said gratitude strengthens relationships. Grateful for people feel more alert and alive. Research done by a professor at the University of California grateful people feel more alive and alert you want to change your life totally get happy (laughs) be happy you know do some happy things Uh, so we thank God not for every difficult situation but we thank God in every difficult situation we don't Thank God for pain. We don't thank God for the evil in this world. We don't thank God for death. But we thank God that He's in these situations with us. You know, as BCC has been on our journey for the last three or four years, um, we've had to really examine ourselves. We've set our values. We've really put Christ at the center of what we do. It's not our choice, our will, it's His will that, that is important. And as we've done it, the church has grown. I get people asking me, well, how come the church is growing so quickly? I say, well, we just focus on Christ. It's what we look at. Let's get happy about following Christ, not some agenda that some man's made. And I love the fact that we're seeing all these nations in the church, the people getting baptised next week, people baptised every month last year. And right now, God's told us he's resetting our foundations. And I thought we were in a pretty good place. But he's resetting us. And many of you know, and we've got new staff on board. And there's changes happening. And ministries are getting launched. And exciting things happen. But what's even more bizarre is that AOG, the movement we're part of nationally, is also having to reset its foundations. And God's brought us right into the center of that. And an announcement went out on Friday that it's telling the leaders across AOG, five or 600 churches in the UK, about changes that are going on right now. And I'm involved in that. And in a cr- crazy kingdom way, God's not only changing our foundations, <laughs> he's changing the foundations of so much more. And because we've been obedient and just walked the journey humbly, God's drawn us into that because there's something of our journey is important for others. Rethink our response is my final area. Rethink our response. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honourable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Don't worry. The antidote for worry is to th- fix your thoughts in a different way. Fix your thoughts on what is true. These are eight things. Fix your thoughts on truth and honourable things and right and pure and lovely things, admirable things, excellent and praiseworthy things. Think, once you put your thoughts into them, stuff will change in your life. It's going to change beyond your ability to even track it. It's great what's going on. Challenge our thinking. The eight areas, the eight tests. Discover true Contentment. Discover true contentment. The scriptures say in Philippians 4 verse 10, I have learned how to be content with whatever I have, says Paul. I've learned to be, you know, when you're not content, what's the opposite of being content? Discontent. And discontent does something. When you're discontented, it takes you down a negative critical line because it has to come out somewhere. So you become frustrated and then you worry that things aren't quite the way they should be. And the trouble with discontent is it's actually linked to comparison. And in fact, if you're discontented, you're actually probably a victim of comparison. You're looking at this situation versus your situation. You're looking at that situation versus your situation. You're looking at their income. You're looking at their house. You're looking at that relationship. You know what we're doing? We're taking our eyes off Christ and we're putting our attention into the world and things that have no eternal value. God says, bring your eyes back to me. Stop comparing. Trust me and I'll lead you. That's what the scriptures tell us. That's what we've got to do. We've got to learn to be contented. It, still means, it doesn't mean say so we kick back and do nothing. It means that we work hard. It means that we focus. We win the prize. We be determined. But we do it because our eyes are on Christ, not on everything else around us. Because that's where the trap is. That's where the snare is. That's where the opportunity is. So we want to fight back against discontentment because discontentment, in its roots, it's got envy and pride. Because envy says, I want to be like that person... And pride says, I'm better than that person. And that's what comes out of comparison. So we don't want to be there. We don't want another master controlling our destiny. We want to avoid the dangers of comparison. Your value comes from who you are, not what you own in comparison to anybody else. And God offers perfect peace, his gift. He will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Perfect peace, not partial peace, perfect peace, God's perfect, perfect peace is there for us as we trust in Christ. You know, I was preparing this message last week and I was all done and last night I went to bed, I was feeling pretty all sorted. And as I lay in bed last night, I was thinking, God, what have been the really big areas of worry in my life? And you know, I got kept up till gone one this morning thinking about it. I couldn't get these things out of my mind. I was thinking, what are the worries? What are some of the big worries? And I I, made me get up. I went downstairs. I listed eight big worries that I remember going through in the past. And each of those worry areas, I thought, God, what happened as a result of those worries? Well, actually, God was involved in all of them. But what I did was I put beside each area of worry my response in the situation? How did I change? What changed in me when I brought that to God? And then beside that, I put a comment, what did I learn about God in that place? And so I've got this nice little matrix. In fact, I've got it handwritten here and I'm going to go home and think it through. And so on my piece of paper, I've got got these areas on the front and back. And one of the areas was my daughter, Abby, um, who's 22 now. And when she was um, a young teenager mid teens she was involved in a car accident and i remember as a father being very worried about that it seems logical seems right and as i thought it through well she was she wasn't you know she she was hit in the car from behind and she suffered whiplash but we didn't realize she was hypermobile which means that everything is very floppy in her skeletal structure and and we didn't realize the impact that was going to have on her life and and abby started to pass out and then she would pass out regularly and have these headaches which lasted 24 hours a day and they they became more and more intense and for weeks and weeks she was having these headaches and pains and passing out and she was still trying to do things like her paper round and stuff and then one day I got a call from her early in the morning in the darkness of the the winter night and she was in the middle of the street, fell off her bike something worth worrying about another time so we had to well we had to stop her doing the paper round we thought we can't risk her life she can't you know what she she gets hit or something so the paper round stopped another time we got a phone call and she passed out on the way to school in an alleyway we know what happens in alleyways is my teenage daughter unconscious and fortunately she was found by someone good another time she passed out in the bathroom She hit her head on the sink and big swelling on her eyes. This went on for years, headaches and passing out. And then one day she was in the kitchen she was cutting some bread with a bread knife. And she collapsed while she was cutting bread. And thank heavens it only left a serrated line up her face. But what could have happened? And I remember thinking, God, this doesn't feel right. Is this a spiritual battle? And all I could do was, I can't change it. She's getting medical attention. She's getting medical treatment. I've just got to pray. And thank God that he's in every situation. You know, something amazing happened. I learned what it was to have peace in something I couldn't control. And I learned God's peace and that fullness of God's peace, that perfect peace that in the most difficult situation you can trust. And that's what happened to me. That's what I learned. And she's come through it in the end. My worrying made no difference to her life. In the end, God's brought her through, and she graduated last year with a first. Couldn't believe it. She lost half her education through, um, through this stuff. You know, And as we close, and in fact, the band, you might as well join me. Perfect peace sometimes has to endure the most dangerous situations. I'm reminded of a story about an Austrian called Viktor Frankl, who was a Holocaust survivor. He was stripped naked, even had no wedding ring, in a Nazi camp. And with nothing to wear and very little to eat, he realized something. He said, the one thing you can't take away from me is the way I choose to respond. The one thing you can't take away from me is the way I choose to respond. So no one's forcing you to worry. It's your choice. But God's plan is that we don't worry. His plan is that we trust him the Prince of Peace, the source of peace. His plan is that we understand his peace and move from strength to strength. As we stand now, we're going to sing a song. I want you to think about what I've said. Think about those areas that are causing pressure in your life. Are they getting too big? Are there things you can sort out? Are there things you need to address? Let's think about it as we sing. The band are going to lead us now. So let's stand as we sing our final song.